Welcome, listeners, to episode 12 of Spotlighting the Indie Author, a podcast that shines a light on the independent author using book reviews and interviews with a dab of writing wisdom tossed in. Today, Joseph and Nina will be reviewing a tale set in the 1800s that takes place in the Wild West. Mike Stone, Texas Ranger, was written by Patrick Lindsay. This is Patrick's fifth novel and was released in March 2020. His latest release, McCabe's Luck, The Feud Goes On, was released in July 2020. Mike Stone, Texas Ranger is available in ebook, anywhere from free to $1.99, in audiobook, free to $17.99, and paperback, $8.99 with Prime. Spotlighting the indie author, purchase the paper to review and support the indie author. About the author, Patrick Lindsay lives on a small cattle ranch south of Fort Worth, Texas, with his wife, Michelle, and his horse, Archie. He comes to Texas by way of Missouri, Canada, and California, but has been happy to call Texas his home for the past 35 plus years. Patrick enjoys the creativity of writing and is thrilled to know that people are entertained by his work. You can find the links to all of Patrick Lindsay's social media accounts, website, and books in the show notes. Mike Stone, Texas Ranger book blurb. Mike Stone has come to Texas, seeking to avoid the gunfighter reputation he was in danger of acquiring in New Mexico. He joins a cattle drive to give himself some money stake in his new home. He meets a beautiful girl, then finds out they have jointly inherited a property near Austin. Surprising obstacles stand in Stone's way, as he settles into his new life in a new land. Now to the book review of Mike Stone, Texas Ranger. You do know that the Amazon teaser is different from what's printed on the back of the book. I do. The back of the book contains the blurb and a short bio of Patrick Lindsay, which I thought was a nice touch. No sense in wasting back cover space. I was going to bring that up when we get to the basics. I found it no big deal, as the only difference was the addition of the first two lines and the last line to the Amazon blurb. The rest remained the same. Since the listeners just heard the one on the back of the book, I think we should cover it now. Kelly, could you please refresh JoJo's memory by reading the blurb that appears on Amazon so we can compare? Okay, Nina, thanks, I will. Joe, listen up. Here's the Amazon teaser. A fast-paced Western yarn that is hard to put down. Texas in the 1880s offered both opportunity and danger. Mike Stone comes to Texas to avoid the gunfighter reputation he had acquired in New Mexico. He finds adventure and danger as he settles in near Austin with an unexpected inheritance and a beautiful new neighbor. He finds it hard to put the guns away when the Texas Rangers come calling. You'll enjoy this Western mystery with a touch of intrigue and echoes of a famous outlaw from Texas history. Thank you, Kelly. And Nina, you're right. It's different. Heck, the Amazon teaser is better than the one on the back of the book. The Amazon blurb doesn't give as much of the plot away and raises questions that may cause conflict. Like you, I like the Amazon one better. We really need to get a blog written and posted on Thunderhorse Publishing on book blurbs. I agree. But till then, I suggest all indie authors visit the website of Elite Authors. The link will be in the show notes below. They describe the ideal book blurb perfectly. I will say this about why two different blurbs can hurt a book, so indie authors listen up. Write one blurb, 
for the back of the book and use that blurb across all outlets. Why? Well, the first is less writing. The next, if the readers run across two different ones like we just did, they tend to think the author, editor, or publisher decided that one or the other was inadequate and a new one was written, but the old one was never replaced, hinting that the author doesn't pay attention to detail. Okay, Jojo, let's move on and give a summary of this Wild West tale and introduce some of the colorful characters. You start with Mike Stone. Mike Stone, the protagonist left Missouri to go help his uncle run his bar in Cimarron, New Mexico. Mike also worked with a rancher who taught Mike how to use a gun. Mike was a natural and quickly learned how to use a sidearm. Mike soon became a deputy sheriff. Mike dropped a gunslinger before the quick draw gunfighter cleared the leather. Mike, worried about getting a gunfighter reputation, which would bring more gunslingers to town, decided to give up his position and move on. He wound up settling near Austin, Texas, and making friends with an old man named Miles Young. Before long, Mike and Miles were trapped in Miles' cabin with no way out, with bullets flying all around them. Miles had been shot and was bleeding badly as he shoved a piece of paper at Mike. The paper was willing Miles' half of the land to Mike. All Mike had to do was make it out alive. Sarah Statton was a Philadelphia filly and a military brat who was raised by her dad as her mother had passed. One day, the family got a letter about Uncle Zeb, her dad's brother. They hadn't heard from Zeb in years. The letter informed them of Zeb's passing, and Sarah was to see the lawyer about some documents that were left for her in St. Louis. Sarah's dad warned her not to get her hopes up, as Zeb was more than colorful and eccentric who had been estranged from his family. Sarah's journey started at the lawyer's office in St. Louis. She was a little skeptical of the lawyer's assistant. Then she was sure she was being followed by a man with cold gray eyes. One day when she returned to her hotel room, it had been ransacked but none of her possessions or what her uncle had left her had been taken. Sarah had a decision to make. Did she return home or continue westward to find out more about her inheritance left to her by her uncle? Was she actually being followed? And if so, who was this gray-eyed man and what did he want? Not knowing this man with gray eyes was none other than Lewis Sharp, who had ridden with the famous Sam Bass. She decided to continue westward journey from there the story gets into many subplots mike was searching for work when he met ash mckinnon ash made a deal with mike they partnered and signed up for a cattle drive on the cattle drive mike's gun skills caught the eyes of a texas ranger who was working the drive also for some extra cash he offered mike and ash a job with the texas rangers after the drive was over both decided they needed to think about it during sarah's travels by stagecoach from St. Louis to Texas was not only bumpy, but the stage was held up. We learned quickly that Sarah could take care of herself. Once in Texas, she decided to take the train for the last leg of her journey. On the way to the train station, she spotted the gray-eyed man. He had followed her all the way from St. Louis. Sarah, thinking fast, grabbed the arm of a cowboy who was preparing to leave on a cattle drive. The cowboy was with a friend who was a big man. Sarah explained her situation with a gray-eyed man with whispers, the two men agreed to walk her to the train. This was the first encounter between Sarah, Mike, and Ash. Would there be more, or would a train robbery and a kidnapping prevent a second meeting? 
Joe and I will be right back to talk about the basics right after this quick news break. Take it away, Kelly. Indie book and author news in a flash with Kelly Winkler. We mentioned in last week's show that we would have an updated show schedule to share with everyone. We have some great books, along with a special Christmas show that I'm excited about. With October being the month Halloween is celebrated, Spotlighting the Indie Author will be reviewing The Cardinal's Code by Avery Sterling on October 1st. The Cardinal's Code is a vampire story. October the 15th is a book by Mark McLaughlin titled The Hell Next Door. November 1st, Spotlighting the Indie Author will be reviewing The Seventh Spark, Volume 1, Knights of the Trinity by J.B. Lyon. The November 15th show is a rare triple play. We will review three children's books. The first, A Noise in the Woods by Jim Hartzell, Lucy's Mask by Lisa Circus Thompson, and Until the Ocean Freezes by Alita durham Clemens. That brings us to December. We'll be talking to J.B. Lyon about his book on acid, The Seventh Spark, Volume 1, Knights of the Trinity by J.B. Lyon, the visual novel. That show will air on December the 1st. Now to the show I can hardly wait for, Spotlighting the Indie Author Christmas Celebration. We will be talking about our favorite Christmas books, songs, and TV shows, along with movies and reciting some of the most famous Christmas stories. That show will air on December the 15th. The updated show schedule can be found on the podcast website. The link will be in the show notes. In other news, our very own Joseph Clay is scheduled to appear at the Bluegrass Comic Con on October 3rd in Louisville, Kentucky. He will also be appearing in Donaldson, Tennessee on October 17th at Rick's Comic City. For more details, follow Joseph on Facebook and or visit his website. Those links will be in the show notes. Now back to Nina and Joe. Thank you, Kelly. I'm looking forward to those shows and to meet all the great people who will be there. You dressing up or going as yourself? Think about going as Dracula in cowboy boots. You want to go as Miss Dracula? Oh, yes, I will. Now let's cover the basics. Book cover and blurb editing, and formatting, along with plot and characters. We have already talked about the blurb a little. To wrap that up, the word count for the one on the back of the book came in at 69 words. The Amazon blurb came in at 89 words, both within the ideal word count of 150 words. The rest of the criteria for an ideal blurb, I think, fell short. I agree. The blurb on the book gave too much away and the plot's outcome. The Amazon blurb was longer and did a better job of hiding the outcome. I give the blurb on the book a thumbs down and the one on Amazon a thumbs up. What did you think about the cover? I thought it was a good cover with great color contrast with the western sunset. You know me, I'm detail oriented. Sarah's hair is described in the book as being Albert. The female on the cover has black or brown hair. Tells me the publisher used a generic book cover. This is the reason I suggest having covers made from scratch. You know, like biscuits and gravy. Other than that, the cover was okay and fit the genre. That's being a bit nitpicky, but I understand. Chappelle Graphics has us spoiled. Rick, the owner, will change hair color, skin tone, and make people float on water if needed. What did you think about editing and formatting? 
That's true about Rick. He will definitely do whatever you want him to do. I didn't care for the formatting. The first chapter started on the correct side, but the rest didn't follow. I understand that people have gotten away from the traditional way of doing things and start a new chapter on the next available page, whether it be on the left or the right. I don't care nor like that style. In my opinion, it makes the book look sloppy. I did find a few editing errors, nothing major, but they did make certain sentences hard to read and understand. I agree. The formatting was a long way from traditional. I'm used to thoughts being in italics, along with the author's name on the top of the left page, and the book title being on the right. But what bugged me the most? There was not one page that was numbered. When it comes to the editing, I agree with you. It wasn't bad, and not a lot of errors, but the ones I did run across stood out. For the life of me, I can't understand why the writing community wants to reinvent the wheel. I will always use the traditional, or what some people call standard formatting. Why? It works, and it's been around longer than I have. Enough on that. Nina, what did you think about the plotting characters? With the blurb written the way it is, and the author revealing stuff early in the book, the plot was easy to figure. There was no suspense in how the book was going to end. Even the events that led to the climax and ending you could see coming. What did you think? I agree. The plot was as transparent as a single-ply roll of toilet paper. However, the plot was complex with excellent structure. The problem? It was executed incorrectly. Some of the information and plans that the author revealed early in the book could have been withheld, building suspense. Then once the event happened, those plans could have been shown and not told. I'm pretty sure I know what you're talking about. Train robbery, correct? Yep, that was the biggest one, but there was others. What about the characters? And who was your favorite? I thought the protagonists, Mike Stone... Sarah Statton and Ash McKinnon, along with the antagonist, Louis Sharp, and the other bad guys and secondary characters, along with supporting cast, were great, likable, and believable. The problem I had was those characters were just the tip of the iceberg. I do think that there were too many characters that didn't really bring anything to the story and slowed it down. Three of my favorites were Miles Young, Sarah Statton, it was a strong young woman capable of taking care of herself, and Mike Stone, of course. They talked very little about Zeb Staten, Sarah's uncle, but what they did mention made him interesting. I agree on the number of characters and how the character building was excellent. I'm surprised Ash McKinnon, the big man from East Tennessee, didn't make your list. He knew nothing about driving cattle, but was big and strong enough to push a wagon out of the mud hole if needed. He was also pretty good with a rifle. He was one of my favorites. The other two would be Sarah Statton and Miles Young. I love the plan Miles had that made sure Mike Stone got out of the cabin alive. Nina, get the calculator ready. It's time to award some stars to Mike Stone, Texas Ranger. What you got? All right. Mike Stone, Texas Ranger is one of the few books that I enjoyed the prologue and found that it was necessary as the time frame between it and the first chapter jumped five years. Without the prologue, the reader would have been lost. It was well-written and informative, setting up the story. I read this book in about a day. I found it slow in spots. This may have been due to the excessive amount of characters, which we discussed earlier. Also, this author repeated on several occasions what happened earlier in the book, which also slowed the story. This book was written in first person and second person. This works in some books, but for me, 
It made reading this book confusing at times. The book covered the travels of Mike Stone and Sarah Statton at the same time, which I liked. I give Mike Stone, Texas Ranger, 3.25 stars out of 5. Nice reading. It took me three days or so to read this book. With a word count around 40,000, the tale can be read in three to four hours. Why did it take me so long? Well, I felt like I was reading a blog. There was too many point of view changes leaving white space. When a scene break was needed for a lapse of time or location change, the white space increased to three spaces or more, leaving huge white spaces. Then there's the formatting issues I talked about earlier. I'll stop there and sum up Mike Stone, Texas Ranger in one sentence. This was a great storyline, but was not well written. I give Mike Stone, Texas Ranger, 2.75 stars out of 5. Spotlighting the Indie Author Awards, Mike Stone, Texas Ranger by Patrick Lindsay. Three stars out of five. That wraps up the book review of Mike Stone, Texas Ranger by Patrick Lindsay. Jojo, you had me worried when you started with your awarding star segment. The way you were going, I figured you were about to toss the book out the window or flush it down the toilet. I was leaning that way. But once I removed my opinions about the formatting, wrong hair color, on the book cover, and took into consideration the great storyline, I changed my mind. I just wish it had been written better. I'm glad you did. I would like to thank all of the Spotlighting the Indie Author listeners and subscribers. Hit the subscribe button and tell all your friends about us, and feel free to comment on the show. Till we meet again, hugs, mm -mm 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 -mm, and kisses. Nina. Kelly, I know you mentioned the next show in your news segment. Refresh everyone's memory on what's on tap for that show. Episode 13, airing October 1st, 2020, will be a book review, The Cardinal Code, by Avery Sterling. This tale asks the question, what if vampires were a superior species and nearly undetectable? That's right, next month is Halloween. The Cardinal's Code sounds like a great book for the first show. Speaking of on tap and shows, it's time for me to mount the steel horse and head to the saloon. I hear the saloon girls are putting on a show. Till next time, remember, never bring a knife to a gunfight. And sometimes it's not how fast you draw, but how accurate you are. A calm hand beats a nervous one. Music used in today's podcast, intro and outro music, Thriller, Announcement 5 by Ziggy2, courtesy of Freesound. Background Music, Never Stop Dreaming by Crescent Music, courtesy of Shutterstock Incorporated. Besides what was mentioned in the podcast, the show notes will also contain the following. The sound effects credits. The link to Spotlighting the Indie Authors podcast webpage. Links to the hosts of today's show along with the guest. Links to Spotlighting the Indie Authors blog. The blog will include any information obtained about the guest or books after the podcast aired. The podcast notes will also have the technical data on the recording of today's show. This was episode number 12, a 2020 production of Spotlighting the Indie Author, a josephyclay.com e. podcast. We're already looking forward to bringing you the next show. From myself and the Spotlighting the Indie Author crew, this is Kelly Winkler. <laughs>